There's two very important points about the nature of faith that every Christian should understand, but so few do. And that is, first of all, faith is a gift. It isn't something that we work up within ourselves. It isn't something that is inherent within us or innate within us, or it is not in other people. Uh, it's not that particular to us. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is very clear that we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And so not all people have faith, and not uh, because of their in inherent virtue or the absence thereof, but because it's a gift of God. And God gives faith to those whom he will. God gets to be God. And so we rejoice when we hear of someone who comes to faith, saving faith, because we know that that is the grace of God. So the other thing we want to know about faith and understand is that it's progressive. It grows. Our faith grows. Uh, someone who's only been a Christian for a few hours will want to grow in their faith. And it's the responsibility of the church leadership and the community as a whole to help new Christians grow in their faith. What I want to share with you today is a wonderful story about um, a man that was blind whom Jesus healed. But he wasn't healed instantaneously. And so let me read that story to you. It comes to us in Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. End quote. What an amazing story. Now, it's important to understand here that God heals in his time and in his ways. And in this case, Jesus is displaying that for us. This wasn't a failure of Jesus to instantly heal this man. Jesus had his reasons. Jesus had his purposes for doing this. The man's healing was absolutely certain the moment Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, that's an important point. We don't know what that was about. We don't understand what was happening in the village. We don't know <clears throat> what might have occurred while this man was in the village that caused him to lose his sight. He wasn't born blind because the text says that he was, his sight was restored. If you don't restore something that you uh, never had, you had to have had it and lost it to have it restored. So this man's eyes <clears throat> uh, were had become blind while he was in this village. He had been blinded. Uh, we can only speculate. We can't know. But we do know at the end of the text that Jesus said, don't even go into the village. Don't return back there. Uh, so whatever was going on was something that was blinding. 
Now, there are many environments, both in society and even within some churches, that can be blinding to our faith. We simply shouldn't go around them. They're just not good places to be. And here, Jesus tells this man not to even go back. But before that, he takes the man by the hand, leads him outside the village. Sometimes we have to leave something. Sometimes we have to let something go. There are times from the moment we receive the Lord and we begin to grow in faith that he leads us out. We are the called out ones. In fact, that's the very word for the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so Jesus has taken this man by the hand, led him outside the village, and then he has this interesting way of beginning the man's healing by spitting on his eyes. It doesn't say that he spit on the ground and made mud or spittle. It says he spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? And the man unashamedly says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So this man's healing had begun. But for some reason, it required a second touch of Jesus. Jesus was not apologetic about that, nor was the man um, upset about that. It's just the way it happened. And this is indicator, an indicator of how we should respond to in our Christian life. We all experienced the initial time when Jesus took us by the hand and we came to him. We always come at his initiation. No one comes to Christ. He chooses us. We don't choose him. We come because he calls us. We come because of grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves. So the fact that we come to Christ is a gift in itself. It's a work of grace. Two people, one who does not come to Christ and one who does on the same day, is not because the one who does is inherently more virtuous or more prone to be religious than the one who does not. No one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. John chapter 6. So, this man has had an initial healing, and both Jesus and he do not explain why his healing took a second touch, but it did. And there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is displaying to this man that not only does his healing begin with the Lord's touch, it continues with the Lord's touch. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, I would suggest the most important thing he saw at that moment was Jesus himself. And that was what he was not supposed to go back into the village and talk about. Don't go back into the village and talk about what's happened to you and what I've done for you. They may not receive it, or they'll rush out to try to make me king, or it'll compl- the way they respond will be an ungodly response. So don't even go back there. Go home. He sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So what's the lesson here? Well, 
This, the context for this passage, comes to us after Jesus has told the disciples and they've forgotten to take bread and they were concerned. And Jesus said, why are you taking talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. Then he said, then do you still not understand? That's one part of the context. The disciples, too, had eyes to see, but they couldn't see. They had ears to hear, but they couldn't hear perfectly. They were spending time with Jesus daily. They were following him. They were seeing his miracles, particularly miracles involving um, bread. But when they were out of bread, they grow concerned, <laughs> as if they hadn't ever seen those miracles. <clears throat> the other part of the context is Jesus and his disciples uh, went out to the villages around Caesarea, Philippi, and on the way, he asked them, what do you, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned him not to tell anyone about him. There's a, a notion within evangelicalism that we should tell everyone about Jesus all the time. Instead of being led by the Spirit, instead of being um, uh, wise in who we share the gospel with, there's this, this broadcast mindset that we're just supposed to broadcast the gospel to everyone in every, every place. And, 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 and I think sometimes we are finding ourselves casting pearls before swine. We might need to be more led by the Spirit and less motivated by our own selfish ambition in how we do evangelism. Rather than pursuing success, we should pursue the guidance of the Spirit. In this case, in this text, Jesus is uh, warning them not to say anything to anyone. Just as he told the man that he healed, don't even go back into the village. The reason I say this is there's a way that the world responds to Jesus that is a worldly response. God's not impressed. Jesus is not magnified. It's just a worldly response. People look to Jesus, come to Jesus, and even profess Jesus for selfish, fleshly, ungodly even reasons. So we have to be careful, we have to be mindful, and we have to be considerate of who it is and how we practice our evangelism. But we have to remember, too, that we are growing in our faith. And we have to be gentle with ourselves, we have to be gentle with others, and give them space and time to grow. The disciples spent three years with Jesus, and at this point, about the halfway mark of the Gospel of Mark, they're still learning, they're still realizing that their faith 
that they need a second touch of Jesus on a daily basis, that they need to grow. Just as the man first saw people walking around like trees before he was fully restored to his sight. So there is also our need to be touched by Jesus daily, to grow in our faith. And when Jesus warns us not to tell anyone about him, it is because we don't want a worldly response. He's not interested in a worldly response. He's not interested in us using uh, slick marketing. He's not interested in us using worldly means to tell the world about Jesus and getting a worldly response. So in our outreach, in our discipleship, and in our evangelism, let's be more mindful. And let's be more prayerful about when and how and to whom we share the gospel. I know this is counterintuitive because most of us, if you're like me, grew up thinking, well, we just grab a Bible and we just go talk and anybody will talk to us. That hasn't proved a good strategy. It hasn't proved effective strategy. It's filled the churches with a lot of so-called seekers who are unregenerate people who have become good churchgoers but have yet to really know Jesus. That's something that only Jesus can bring about. And the reason we do evangelism the way we do it sometimes is that we're looking for numbers. We're looking for results. We're looking for success. And the Lord's not any part of that. No, we need to do it as he does it. We need to follow his lead. We need to follow his guiding and do it the way he does it. Because it is he and he alone who does the choosing and the saving and the healing in his time and in his way. Amen.